This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. O'Donnell received her master's degree from the linguistics master's program at the Graduate Center. She now works as an intelligent virtual assistant analyst at Synchrony, a consumer financial services company. Kyle also previously worked on the Amazon Alexa as a data process expert. In this episode, Kyle tells us about the power of articulating your transferable skills the intersection of linguistics and technology, and being open to different opportunities. Could you introduce yourself, what GC program you were in, and what your current position is? My name is Kyle O'Donnell. I was a master's student of theoretical linguistics at the GC program with a focus on phonology and my current title is as an IVA analyst, which stands for <laughs> Intelligent Virtual Assistant at Synchrony Financial. And how did you get from the GC to there? Can you trace <laughs> your path from graduation to now? Well, that's been a journey. <laughs> so basically, after I graduated, I graduated quite a while ago in about 2012. And I really wasn't sure how I was going to be able to use my master's degree or my educational background in a role, something that I would be able to get paid for. Yep. Um, I kind of dabbled with the idea of going into the PhD program, but I thought that track really wasn't for me. And I, I will say that while I was attaining my master's degree, I mean, I I struggled a lot with trying to figure out what the practical application will be of something I'm spending so much time studying. And it just created a little bit of tension. Well, created quite a bit of tension internally, <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out how I was justifying learning about all of this stuff that I loved learning about. So I graduated with not much direction without really knowing what was out there that I could do. I was working in retail and I was applying to a lot of jobs in various things, trying to get my foot in the door anywhere. And it was, I was in that stage where uh, I kept getting maybe to the second or third interview and then it wouldn't work out. So it was kind of a, a challenging time. <laughs> and I tend to be like a, a fairly private person. I've kind of come of age with all of this technology that lets you put yourself out there pretty passively. So at that time, I, I think I finally posted my resume somewhere. And within a few days, I was contacted by a recruiter. And they were hiring quite a few people with a background in linguistics to work on this new project that at the time was pretty secretive and mysterious sounding and it turned out to be the Amazon Alexa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I started actually as just a contractor doing some of the really kind of less complex work as part of that pipeline. And again, 
I, I wasn't fully aware of what was going on behind the scenes. I was working from home. <laughs> so it was a lot of annotation and transcription and listening to people's interactions with a robot. And a few months later, I was offered to interview for a role permanently in office. And then I became a data associate there. And I was there for about three years working on language analysis, getting to use my background in semantics and uh, speech processing in ways I, I really never thought would even be possible. I don't have a background in programming and I didn't know that I would be able to find work like that. So it was quite a revelation, a very happy one. And as I was there, I progressed becoming more and more of a subject matter expert. I was on a team that was fairly large, full of analysts, and we were all doing kind of similar work on separate areas. And I think after a few years though, even though I really loved the work, I was kind of not getting to develop some of the other more general skills that I really wanted to have. And I also just didn't really know what else was out there. This was really my first full-time role in the private sector. And I wasn't sure I wanted to spend all of it looking at uh, specific types of natural language data. That seemed like kind of a narrow focus. It felt like maybe once again, I'm not planning for the long term. <laughs> and so I left that job and took a job in more general digital marketing. And that was kind of like a very quick activation of a number of these like business skills that I hadn't really exercised before. And after doing that for a little over a year, I was kind of interested to see if there was a way to combine what I had learned through both of those previous experiences with something that incorporates a little more of the broader skills, like delivering presentations that are focused on like KPIs, not necessarily, um, you know, really focused on research and development, but delivering some type of like return on investment in a very clear way, but also working with lots of natural language data, which I think is super fun to dive into. And again, I kind of took a risk. I had not, I hadn't been on LinkedIn. I had put it off for a really long time, like an impressively long amount of time. And so I created a profile and I was like, oh, I really like this. This is, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to see everything I've done in one place. And then the recession kind of hit, COVID escalated, and things slowed down. And I was kind of <laughs> rethinking things again. I just assumed, you know, it would be a while before I'd be able to change careers. To be honest, I was feeling a little insecure about my current role, just because it was dependent on money coming in. And I kind of got lucky again, a recruiter reached out to me and they had this position that sounded like a really good match. And I think I started around May. And that's the position you have now. That is the current role I have right now. Okay. You mentioned you're an IVA analyst. So you're working on a chat bot type thing. Yeah, so on all of their sites, they have a chatbot that's available to help people manage their account, answer frequently asked questions, or help escalate to a live agent for more complex situations. 
and it's really cool because they have one on every single like business page for different partners. So it's just a ton of natural language data coming in with people just typing various things. And I go through it and it's a lot of chatbot tuning, looking for language improvements. And the team I'm on is actually mostly developers and we're still kind of in their early phases, but the idea is that eventually the analysis kind of leads the development of new features that the chatbot can do. So it's kind of heavily tied in together with the software piece. Gotcha. In a typical day then, are you working like within a team or do you work fairly independently? What is the kind of dynamic that you're working within in terms of like how you're interacting with other people? One of the things I like about it so much is that I kind of have the perspective of the company. I'm on a team uh, with developers who are dispersed around the world. So it would be remote regardless of whether or not there was a pandemic. Um, (laughs) So I get exposure to a lot of different people from different backgrounds. And I'm on stand-up calls at least twice a day with people from my own company. But we also partner closely with our AI vendor who provides that service. So I'll also meet with them on an ongoing basis because currently they're the real subject matter experts on this like feature that is so important to the company. So it's kind of getting two perspectives, one internally and one externally and working with people all over. So you had mentioned that you weren't really a programmer or anything. Did you have to learn those skills through the work? How did you bridge from the linguistic stuff to these more applied coding situations? Yeah, this is definitely one of the more interesting facets of my journey because in my mid-20s, the idea of learning programming was like, no way, it's way too late. I could never do this. Yep. Kind of that mindset of, oh no, like, you know, the window for learning a lot of new things is really past, which was really naive. (laughs) When I was working at Amazon, I actually really enjoyed learning to build these little apps that were voice controlled. And that actually motivated me to learn a little bit more about programming, kind of very slowly, bit by bit. And then I was also working with people who were good at programming, maybe not full on developers but engineers who were really familiar with things like Python. And they would bring me in very frequently to walk me through their scripts that they were building basically for me and the team's workflows to use. So that interest just kind of started blossoming over time. And then I reached a point where I was kind of looking up things as I needed to learn them when I realized it would be great to have like a foundational knowledge of some of this stuff. So I took a few online courses that are offered through things like Coursera. More recently, because I started this job, everything's been remote. I have a lot more time because there's no commute or anything like that. I took a class at University of Washington. That was really great. And to me now, this is just something that I learned kind of on an ongoing basis. And One thing I love that I wish I had realized earlier is that you don't have to be a programmer or 
an expert in any particular language to have it have a huge impact on your skills and what you can apply day to day at work. Did the linguistics program require any sort of coursework in that kind of thing? So I had the opportunity to take classes like that and I did not take them. It wasn't built in as requirements. And I was just like, I'll never be able to do programming. I'll never do this. So what's the point in taking the class? I, I didn't see how the puzzle pieces would fit together at that point. And I also, I loved the theory. I remember just reading like a few course books from, you know, beginning to end and just being like, oh, that was great. <laughs> I mean, I think that at least that's when you know that grad school was the right decision. If you've reached yeah. that, <laughs> that level. At the same time, learning the theoretical stuff, learning logic for things like semantics, learning how to approach a set of language data from a phonology perspective have given me so many of the skills I need now for doing more applied analysis. And I think the semantics piece with the logical formulas, that's the one I've just been constantly so impressed with how useful it's been and how much it helps me understand programming whenever I've returned to that. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's hard to imagine like, well, well, natural language processing, that's so big now that it's still such a young field relatively. I remember so few people knew what linguistics was that I just kind of had to come up with these like short lines. Every time I introduced myself to anyone, <laughs> like how to convey what it was and do it justice without suddenly talking their ear off. You mentioned that you get to work with people from a lot of different backgrounds. Do they also have graduate school experience? Do you work with other masters or PhD grads? The makeup at the role I'm in right now is pretty diverse and I'm still pretty new there and working remotely. So I don't know if I'm an expert on what everyone's background is, but it does seem like there's a pretty good mix of people who pursue more of the business side and program development business reporting, people with a background in software engineering, and this pocket of like linguists. That was really cool. What about on um, when you were at Amazon? Were you like an outlier in having a graduate degree? Amazon was almost this, it was like pulling in all of the people with similar backgrounds and putting them in one place to the degree that I was like, I didn't know this many linguists existed. Do you do anything with other languages other than English or I'm at like translation kind of stuff? Um, have you gone into that at all? Or is that like a, something you work with? Yeah, so in my current role right now, I'm mostly focused on English, still even ramping up on my role here. Um, previously at Amazon, um, we did a lot of like UAT testing. Um, so making sure that um, like new areas were working before they were widely released. So basically before things were released in new languages, we would have to do a lot of testing for them. So I was working with a lot of foreign language data. 
is it kind of the same principle in terms of the analysis or like do you have to be fluent in these languages to work with them? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say ideally you always have a native speaker working on the language so that they can confirm, yes, this sounds right, or this is things people would say, or they can pick up on those nuances. And so what I was doing was kind of facilitating testing while finding people that spoke different languages to provide that type of validation. So on the one hand, it's super important, yes, to have someone who speaks the language. Within that though, there's certain things you can do within your role that'll involve foreign languages that you don't necessarily have to be an expert on for your relationship to the data, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you at one point thought about going into the PhD and it seems like a lot of people in the master's program do go on to the PhD. Is that something that was kind of like the norm? I think the path for the PhD, it was a little more well-defined because once you have that PhD, you have that option of staying in academia, whereas with the master's program, it's less clear what you're going to go on to do with that degree unless you're pursuing another academic program. So I would say my, you know, my impression at the time was like, I really love this and want to do it. So I better join the PhD program (laughs) so I don't have to stop doing it. I imagine that's changed enormously for graduate students and especially ones in linguistics. So what would you say then are the skills that you learned or honed during grad school, during the master's that helped you get to where you are, that you're still using today? You kind of touched on a couple, but any other transferable skills that you found really helpful that your grad career honed? Being able to write about language data sets, I think that's a really hard thing to do at least for people that don't have the background and don't know how you can kind of abstract concepts when you're talking about language and looking for those patterns. And just a lot of attention paid to how you write things up. I remember doing some analysis for some assignments and the teacher just crossing off a lot (laughs) and being like, this is how you do it. And it was a really great way to learn, like, this is an effective way to present your findings. For sure. Do you do a lot of that kind of presentation or writing within your current position? Is it mainly coding or mix of both? It is mostly kind of going through giant data sets, finding patterns, trying to combine that with practical solutions that are digestible for a variety of people. So it's really combining the two. It's like being able to get deep inside the data and look for these patterns using all these fun new emerging data science tools that are pretty accessible, as well as some really interesting ones that our partner has developed because they have a focus on language data. But then turning that into a high level presentation that you can really convey very quickly and is easy to understand and shows the value of the work is really important. Maybe I don't spend as much time on that portion, but it's probably the most important one. Yes, definitely. Communicating, very complex topic. 
that keeps coming up in basically every alumni interview we do. How was the transition for you when you first graduated from grad school and got onto this Amazon project? How was it transitioning to a more structured company environment? I thought that was actually, like, it was an easier transition. For me, being in academia, where you have these deadlines that are spaced very far apart, and a lot is expected from you, and you have a lot of unstructured time, that to me was very stressful. So transitioning to having uh, more of a set schedule with more consistent deadlines and more interaction and more dependencies on other people I think that went fairly smoothly because I think, honestly, if you can handle the academia one, you can probably do the other. Did you have a specific advisor for your master's or was it more like dispersed? I was working closely with Julie Blevins. She was my advisor for my master's topic and she taught quite a few of the courses I took on phonology. Was she and other professors that you had supportive of going into industry? I think there wasn't a whole lot of pressure to pursue one or the other for me. It was more just deciding what you want and pursuing it. Yeah. I think they were pretty supportive. I mean, I think I applied to the PhD track and people were very supportive. And then when I kind of broke the news that I wanted to actually take some time off after attaining my master's, they were also very accepting of it. Like, yeah, it's reasonable. A lot of people spend some time figuring out what they want to do. Yeah, for sure. You said you were approached at first by someone else at Amazon to first join as a contractor. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Was this right when you had joined LinkedIn? So I've been approached twice. The first time was for my job at Amazon. I just posted a resume (laughs) on like monster or something and it was picked up by like the keywords algorithms right and I was immediately contacted after you know what felt to me like an endless amount of time just applying (laughs) to like one-off jobs when you eventually got the permanent position there and kind of the other application processes that you have How was the application process, interviews? What was that kind of process like? I think they were like pretty standard interview questions. So I don't think there was anything that really surprised me in those questions. And by the way, my experience just in general over the past few years is that a lot of people are really digging into maybe the skill set you have, not necessarily like, oh, I had this role where I was previously doing this, but they want to know about different situations you've been in and your ability to use different tools, use different skills, and also your ability to articulate your own skills. That is really important. But I mean, along with the piece about being able to articulate your skills, sometimes it's good to just be transparent and say, you know, this is what I do. This is not what I do. And I've actually found that recruiters and people um, doing interviews, they appreciate that a lot. Are there any tips or advice stuff that you wish someone told you when you had just graduated for linguistic students and master's students more, more broadly at the GC? Well, 
first on that kind of like psychological level, maybe not worrying so much because you'll find something that's a good fit for you. And knowing that you have transferable skills, even if you don't necessarily know them yet. I think it's really important to not just keep learning things, but research how to articulate what you can already do or the little bit more you need to learn to do to make that something transferable so that you can talk a common language with the people that do hiring. It's just, you get stuck in this feeling of, okay, I can talk a, a really long time about what I do in a lot of detail, but I just don't know how to use these buzzwords that sound so foreign all of a sudden that'll be, you know, obsolete again in a few years, but now I need to say them like three times a day. Yeah. What are some of those buzzwords for, for you? Things like, maybe not buzzwords, but working with like an agile framework, knowing what that means, knowing the tools that are associated with it, knowing what the popular tools for doing data analysis are in your field or any field. A lot of times, a little bit of knowledge about how it applies to you can go a long way. And you put years into these skills. Right. Spend a few hours learning how to talk about them in a way other people can understand. That's a wrap for this episode of Alumni Lab. I want to thank Kyle for sharing her experiences in natural language processing. Remember to stay tuned for more episodes of Alumni Allowed, published every two weeks during the fall and spring semesters. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically be notified of new episodes. Also check out our Facebook, Twitter, and career planning website at cuny.is careerplan for more updates from our office or to make appointments with our career counselors. Thanks for listening and see you next time.